The Drum Candy Podcast is brought to you by Drum Factory Direct. Welcome into episode eight of season five of the Drum Candy Podcast. This is your host, Mike Dawson, coming to you from Drum Factory Direct in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Before we get to the second half of my conversation with Gregory Hutchinson, just a couple of things to talk about here. First of all, a reminder, if you're in the Pittsburgh area on January 23rd from 6 to 9, I will be co-hosting uh, Drums and Stuff Hang at the Hawthorne Drum Shop. That's sponsored by Drum Factory Direct, the Drum Kenny Podcast, the Pennsylvania chapter of the Percussive Arts Society, and Hawthorne Drum Shop. I'll be doing a little thing on drum tuning. <clears throat> I think I'll just do with a rack tom, maybe a snare drum. Um, and then David Throckmorton will be there to give a clinic. We have some free pizza, some free drinks. It's a casual hang. It's free. Again, that is on January 23rd from 6 to 9 at Hawthorne Drum Shop. And we just announced our second masterclass. Last year, we brought in Mark Giuliano to give a masterclass. This year, we're bringing in Carter McLean. That is happening on April 28th. We do have an Eventbrite event for that because it is a ticketed event. It is $99 for a seat. We're limited to 35 seats. So if you want to come, make sure you go over to Eventbrite. Just search for Carter McLean Drum Masterclass. It is hosted again over at Hawthorne Drum Shop, co-sponsored by DFD, um, Pennsylvania Percussive Arts Society, Ludwig, Istanbul, Evans, Promark. Um, that's going to be a good good hang. That, please, that's a, that's a Sunday. So that's Sunday from 4 to 6. Again, go over to Eventbrite. Get your tickets now. 99 bucks for the Carter McLean Masterclass. That is on April 28th. Okay, let's get to the second half of my conversation with the great modern jazz drummer, Gregory Hutchinson. We are talking about all sorts of things, including his new project, Debang. So let's get to it, Greg Hutchinson. Originality versus employability. You're kind of tapping into this a little bit. Like, how, where's the line and, and how, do you, how do you navigate that? Knowing what's required of the music will keep you employed. <laughs> <laughs> Not overplaying the situations, but bringing some shit to it, you know. Um, showing up ahead of time, not on time, but ahead of time, and being in the right frame of mind. So you see here today, I've I've polished off a, a bottle of, of champagne. Well, I've been celebrating because I deserve to celebrate. But guess what? If I'm on a gig or I'm working, I'm not going to do this before the gig. You know, maybe yeah. I might have a glass. And this is a small bottle, so don't don't, don't get it the wrong way. <laughs> and there's still there's still some inside too. But the point is, being clear mind, um, understanding what's required of the gig, but then and understanding how you can push the people in the band to play better, but not showing up late, not showing up fucked up. Um, you know, unprepared. Those things don't work, man. That's when they call somebody else. So mm. just understand what's required and be professional. Being professional, that's the, the the quickest answer. Yeah. Now, when back in back in your earlier days with Betty Carter and and Ray Brown, were you able to insert yourself, or was it more more subservient? That's why they hired me. Um, I've been lucky. You know, Ray Brown. You know, Jeff Hammer. Hammer played with Ray Brown for a long time. When I got in the band. Uh, the first thing Ray Brown said is, okay, that was then, this is now. I heard you with Roy Hargrove, that's what I want. Betty Carter came in, she's the first, man, I, she, she's the first person that actually put me on the right path. So, you know, as a young man, you know, you check out, man, I checked out all the greats. I'm like, oh, I'm playing with Betty Carter. So let me come in there and play my Philly shit. The first rehearsal, the first tune, I'm playing some slick shit. I think it's slick. Stop. 
She said, what the fuck was that? I said, well, what do you mean? She said, what was that? She said, don't ever play that again. She said, what with that shit? I don't want to hear that. That's old. He told me that's old. She's like, I hired Greg Hutchinson. What do you have to bring to the table? Damn. I don't need Phil. I don't need Blakey. I don't need Max. I don't need Tony. I need Greg Hutchinson. If you can't do it, I'll get somebody who can. Ooh, she only had to tell me once. All of that stuff went out of the. I was like, damn, man, she done took took away half my vocabulary. Yeah, what do you do? <laughs> you know what? You 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 grow very fast. And that's why I talk about that last step. I had I had gotten all the other steps, but I forgot the last step, change. Mm. So right then and there, I figured, oh, I want to keep the gig. I better change from from that tune to the next tune. It was completely different. That's and wild. Thank you, Carter, you know, for inspiring me and really putting me on the path for that. Yeah. I mean, what does that mean? You don't play drags anymore? You don't play four-stroke roughs? I mean, no, no, no. You, you figure out a different way to play it. And 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 this guy, ah, oh, this guy is. Hmm. Because you know I didn't get rid of all that stuff, but I just got <laughs> really good, boy. I was like, okay, everything I've, I've thought of and how I've thought of playing it, I got to come up with a different way to do it because she's heard it, but maybe she's never heard it like this. So, and I, that's what I did. And, and, you know, lucky, lucky. She Sometimes she would look back like, and then she she couldn't figure out. She's like, eh, eh, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, she couldn't tell. She's like, eh, eh, I think, ah, eh, never mind, go ahead. That's amazing. So then when when it came time to join up with your peers, with Joshua Redman and, and all those guys, was that like, hey, we're going to do whatever we want at this point? I mean, you were still kind of respecting the language, but it definitely felt Always. modern. That, I was, I was considering, you know, I was out here way before a lot of the cats, my peers were out here playing. So I was already in a road for a long time. So I understood what it, what that meant, what she was saying. And so I was able to get to it way before and, and really kind of, so when I came with Josh, when I came into the band with Josh, yeah, we still had that that lineage, that language, but I was I was going on another way, you know. I was I was I was hitting another zone then. I was like, okay, yeah, here we go. Now this is where we can really stretch out and and come into my own plan and really start to to influence my generation. So I, I'm the influence on my generation, and that that's pretty much understood. Everybody understands that. So me saying it is not a gloating, but it's the truth. Like I've influenced my generation. Um, but that could only happen because I had those guys around me, you know, and I had my good friends around me at Nasheed Waits, Eric McPherson, all the New York cats that was around at that time. My teachers, Kenny Washington, Marvin Smitty Smith, like I said, the, the, the late, great Wade Barnes passed away, uh, and Justin DeChocho, all of these, these people made it possible for me to come into my own at that point, you know. When you and Blade played double drums... Ooh, my band. I love what it. Is, yeah, what is that all about? How do you guys navigate? Is there any discussion whatsoever? Don't need to be. Don't need to be. We're like brothers from another mother's mother. <laughs> this is where you understand that we don't compete with anybody. We're we're you you only compete with yourself. And at a certain level, it's it's apples and oranges. It's just what sound do you want? That's all it is. Mm-hmm. And so Blade or Mia Harlan or me and Bill Stewie. It's mm-hmm. the same, like, 
I'm fascinated by listening to what the hell they play, man. And, you know, so sometimes when me and Blade, during a recording session, I, we would just be sitting there looking at each other, and Josh would be like, well, one of you, one of you motherfuckers please play? Like, <laughs> can somebody please play? Because that love is there. And I've known Blade, you know, since he was in school. Um, and that's my dude, you know. I, it's like we're we're complete opposites, but we're really not. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're very much the same, but we're complete opposites in how we how we, you know, Blaze real soft-spoken sometimes, and, you know, and I'm like, just, I'm I'm out there, I'm in, I'm out, I'm crazy, you know, and I love being crazy, but then Blade is actually also crazy, you just don't know it, like, <laughs> you know, if you really get to know him, he's really, you know, same thing with Bill Stewart, Bill Stewart is, people don't talk enough about Bill Stewart, Bill Stewart is one of the coldest cats I know, mm-hmm. so cold, and when you sit up there on stage with him, you better bring it, because, man, He's bringing it every night. And I said that one night, but we were on the road because uh, Blade couldn't make the tour and Bill did it. I said, Bill, man, can you can you take your foot just a little bit out of my backside? Said, man, you put you putting your, your foot in mine too. I said, man, listen, I can't even walk now. Please just just give me a little. <laughs> it's just so cold every night. It's just so cold. It's I need a sweater because you're just killing me, man. And he's and but that I love is inspiration like i'm learning as i'm playing with these guys and so not at not at any point what did i feel a competitive edge or anything like that no it was always like man this is a privilege mm. to play with another great drummer is a privilege to me so i we had a ball did you ever get a chance to play drums with someone like jack or some of the your mentors no i wish oh actually no yes yes we did a thing with betty carter me, Jack, and Kenny Washington. So we didn't play at the same time, but we played right behind each other. Mm. And then Jack playing like me and Kenny. I was like, Kenny, man, can we? What the hell is he doing? Like, let's ask him about. It. So we were like, Hey, Jack. Hey, Jack. Wait, man. Show us that. Shit. And show us that. What's your concept to like getting around the drum set? He said, Well, you know, I never really, you know, I never really. And all of a sudden, he'd be like, You know, Jack has this fluidity about him, and, he, and I'm like, That looks like a. Wait, is that a? Hold on. It's like a combination of different things thrown in there, but it's Jack. And he was so willing to share and he's super cool. Every time I see him, it's, it's the same kind of love. So, you know, the masters, you know, the beautiful thing about them, they will share. All you got to do is listen. All you got to do is ask and listen. Amazing. Um, gosh, I have other like random questions. Go ahead, man. I'm ready. Um, how do you deal with backline? Do you mess with it or you just play it as it, as it lies? Um, well, I always get there and hopefully they, they get the stuff that you that you need. But at the same time, this is the backline right here, mm-hmm. right? As long as the shit ain't falling over, we're going to make it happen. You know, um, your ears, and it's funny that I, I always tell people, your ears are tuned to certain frequencies and you're used to hearing certain things. Practice the drums at a different frequency. Like imagine like you get to a drum set and it completely sucks. Is that going to make you stop you from playing what you already know you can play because you hear something differently. So you're like, Oh, it doesn't sound right, but you have to learn how to do it. So sometimes I detune my drums and act like I got a set of drums where the lugs can't be tuned or whatever. And I still have to figure out. So the risable is the most important. Like if we're talking about straight ahead, the risable, the hi hat and the snare drum, that's all I really need to, mm-hmm. right? So I always make sure that's cool. Everything else is a plus. The bass drums are a plus. The toms are a plus. So you 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 learn to do that, and then when you get to to the you know when you get to the show, whatever. I just always get there early, 
tune the drums the way I want them to sound, and and then you know see what happens. Do you always carry your own cymbals? Oh, she's sitting right here next to me. <laughs> so why why Peisty? What does Peisty give you? Um, because I helped them come up uh, and reinvent the masters. Uh, mm-hmm. So I great about that. And it's just the sound. I was looking for a certain sound, and uh, I was doing a gig with Schofield in Zurich, and it's a drummer named Casper Ross, great drummer man, and he had these these masters. And I was with Zildjian at the time, man. I said, wait, hold up. That's exactly what I'm looking for. Wow. And then, I, like, the whole thing was when I got with them, when we started tiddling around with the masters, I said, now, they need to be able to sound like this off the shelf. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to always go to the factory to get, and guess what, man? They send me symbols all the time. I pick, I put them on, and I'm like, damn, okay. Yep, that's exactly what I need. Right off the shelf. Now, my whole thing is just getting the... Like, I'm really particular, so I'm trying to get the symbols to see if we make a different version of the Masters a little thinner or just m- mess around with different weights. But they sound great already. So, uh, Kelly, thank you. Um, Eric, thank you. Christian, thank you. Uh, the love is great. I just saw Christian uh, in Zurich. Um, and so the symbols, they have to represent your personality, who you are. Um, and for me, you know, like I said, they, it could be any symbol I play because the sound is really here. I think we get caught up a lot of times. It's right here. If you can't get it here, it doesn't matter what you play. Mm. If you can't, if you don't know how to how to, you know, not throw the stick on the symbol, but how to actually move your wrist, walk the dog, walk the dog. If we're swinging, then you're not. It doesn't matter. You can have an old K. You still gonna sound like shit. Mm. Is now is it more left hand when you're talking about pocket? Is that where the sound comes from? Oh uh, yeah, I'm looking at you, but I'm like, wait, left hand? <laughs> yeah. Pocket comes from here. Mm. Really, like pocket comes from how you feel this pulse in here. And of course, yeah, of course, the manipulation of the snare drum and how you how you get it here. But it really is, we all have a, our own pocket. We just have to find where that, that pocket is and then bring that onto the drum set. Sounds really corny, but it's so true. Like, if you don't feel this pocket, there's no way you're going to be able... <coughs> But you got to understand the touch and the ghosted notes, the long notes, and the short notes. So if you can't understand those things, then you won't play pocket either. Because mm-hmm. everything will there's short notes and there's long notes so how do you understand that and when we swing it's the same thing long notes versus short notes who are your archetypes for pocket playing oh wow this wow let's go let's see Hmm. I love Gad Steve Farone Omar uh, Dennis of course Cobham we come younger I love Keith Carlock. I love Nate Smith, um, Harlan, uh, Eric Moore, Teddy Campbell, John Roberts. Uh, now, I went to school with a guy who actually, I will call him the godfather of how these younger cats play. And his name is Gerald Haywood. Mm-hmm. And me and, Gerald, me, Gerald, and another drummer, Nathaniel Townsley, went to school together. Nathaniel was a trumpet player. We're all buddies. And so... Gerald was playing all that stuff back in high school and he was showing me all that stuff back in high school. So I had the hands, he had the foot. Mm. I showed him the hands, he showed me the foot. So 
all of that I was hearing back then. So Gerald really was, you know, influential in, in for me because I got to hear it, this this style. I, I don't know if you want to call it gospel drumming or whatever. I just call it soulful, soulful drumming. And he was doing that back then. Um, and if we're gonna go there, Joel Smith, who's a who's a great, you know, gospel drummer. So there's so many different guys with uh Yogi Thornton back in the day, you know, rest in peace. He played so hard, that shit was incredible. Yeah. So there's so many Ivan Hamden, there's so many great drummers, you know, so everyone has a different pocket. So I've checked out all those drummers, you know. Um it's it's amazing because the pocket is is the, the consistency is the same, but everyone approaches it. If you take a New Orleans drummer who who plays pocket, they approach it one way, you know. If you take someone from a different region, the pocket is has a different flavor to it. And that and that's the thing I like about it, you know, not all the same, just different nuances. You mentioned Omar a few times. Did you see him around New York when you were coming up? Was so that was oh, yeah. him. He was working the scene heavy at that point, right? Yep. I actually auditioned for his band, but I was still too young uh, when he was trying <laughs> to go out and sing. <laughs> Sick. <laughs> would that have been? When would that have I, been? After Weather Report? Yeah, 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 yeah. He he did a solo project, and he wanted to go out and he wanted to sing. He didn't want to play drums, so I auditioned for him. I remember that. Now, now it sounds seems so weird. <laughs> um. But yeah, Omar, I used to see Omar a lot, man. He was, you know, he was, whew, killing Smitty. You know, Smitty was another one for me. Um, Smitty was my next door neighbor. So mm. I, I took lessons with him. So I learned double bass drum playing, all that stuff. You know, how to manipulate the rudiments from him, you know, who was a beast. And he played too much drums, you know. Now, what he would got, that have been? What was he doing at the time? Was he with <laughs> Steve Coleman at the time? What was the, what was the gig? <laughs> Yep. So all the odd time stuff, I, I learned all that stuff from watching him play. You know. So you grew so, up in in Brooklyn. I'm Brooklyn Brooklynite. Yes, sir. So where would you you just hop on the train and go downtown? Like where would you see these guys play? Oh, Mikel's, All these other spots that were open. Um, the Knitting Factory. Um, what else was open at that time? Shoot, was CBG CBGBs was open at that time? I can't even remember the names of some of these spots. Um. You were a teenager. So yeah. You were you were just hanging out in the clubs as a teenager on your own or was someone taking you? On my own. Yeah. I was supposed to be somewhere else, but I was, you know, my mother passed. <laughs> so now, yeah. Sorry, mom. I wasn't really with my aunt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what you have to do. I mean, that's I wasn't getting into, into any trouble. I was just hearing the music that I wanted to play. You know, my dad's a drummer. So I got to, you know, I really learned a lot from him. So mm. it was, you know, that was the first beginning, like the one drops I learned from watching my dad play, you know, he was crazy. So mm. his pocket was crazy. So that's why I got my pocket from him really first. Um, are you in Europe for the long term? I mean, are, is that your home now? Or do you have any plans to come back stateside? We're coming back. Yeah, we're coming back. Um, myself and my girlfriend, we, we plan to hopefully in the next year or so, two years within that. Well, a lot depends on what you guys do with the election. Oh, I better right. have a drink. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah it's so, dark. You know, it get dark. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and and the world is getting dark, man. People, this shit last, in the last couple of days that's been going on, man. This is, there's so many sides and so many ways to see what's happening, man. And it's so sad because when you watch the news, you really have to understand the history of a people being oppressed, but at the same time, going out and killing an innocent people, that's not it, man. Like, 
it, there's got to be a better way where we can all hear each other and respect each other. And this shit is so sad. I've been watching it over here in Europe. It's really like, it's really so sad to see what's, what is happening and what has been happening for years where people just don't want to pay attention. But now it's it's this huge, you know, it's in our face. And it seems like music is, is the one thing that can heal the world. And I've been to Israel and I've played with my Israeli brothers and my Palestinian brothers together. No, no mm. fighting. Music is cool. Every, the, the, you know, so it's like, man, like, what is it that doesn't allow people to see the humanity in other people? Like, I see you as a human being. I don't care if you're white, straight, gay, whatever you want to be. I don't care. If you need my blood or you bleed on the street, I'm not going to walk by you. I'm going to help you. Why can't we get back to that, man? And that's the that's really, that's kind of the thing that's, you know, I, I, I went to sleep when I got here, man, because I was so depressed, man. I got off the plane. And that's, you know, you can really watch something too much on the news and it messes with you. And it was messing with me because all last night, it's about three in the morning, I was sitting up watching this shit and I'm saying, come on, really? I thought we, I thought we did this already. Like mm -hmm. blacks and whites did that already. Now, now the Jewish and the Palestinian, like we've, we've been here in history already. So why are we, why haven't we learned? What is it that doesn't keep human beings from learning from our mistakes? That's, so that's the question, right? And I, for me, it ends up like, why do I even bother playing music? It's like the uh, the irony of it. Like, music is what yeah. we need, but I'm like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I playing? You know, why are we trying to? <laughs> they don't want to change, and and all. And the only answer I can give you is because we were put here to do that. Right. If we were supposed to be anything else, we wouldn't be on this conversation right now. If you were supposed to be a carpenter, you would be a carpenter. Mm. If you were supposed to be an electrician or a businessman, whatever, that's what we'd be doing. But Whatever you believe in, if you believe in anything, for some reason you were given this talent and gift to do what you do. So it's up to us to really try and really try and, and it seems I know sometimes it seems impossible, but we gotta try harder and we haven't done we haven't done we haven't done it good enough yet. And I guess we gotta try harder. So that's my motivation, you know. Try harder. Take that, man. Well, to bring it back to the drums, they wrap it up here. Yeah, you're wearing an open studio T-shirt. I just watched a bunch of your stuff online today. I saw a live stream for a new record with yeah. uh, Peter Martin. So what is what is going forward with this concept, open studio? Same thing. Well, the concept started actually for me in my basement first. And my buddy Pete, Peter was able to take that and run with it. And uh, some of his other videos came out. Um, but yeah, we just create content for young people, old people to watch and to learn from. And I just did a whole new round of videos and you see what it is. It's just about, uh, giving different ways to approach the instrument. We talked about, and we talked about everything from tuning the drums. I've even done some videos about cleaning the drums, you know, mm. you know, these are all things that I was fascinated with as a kid, but we talk about how to get a good sound um, and really just enjoying the instrument and enjoying what you do. And so I'm glad it's just this platform open studio, which allows people to go at their own pace. Mm. And that's the important part. Like over the pandemic, I saw this, like I had so many, and I still do have so many students and we go at their own pace. You're able to learn at your own pace and do things that will help you to get better, but you don't have to feel pressure. So you can study at home. You can watch these courses over and over and over. And that's the beauty of it, you know. Forks Drum Closet, Nashville's full-line drum store. Celebrating its 40th year in business, Forks is independently owned and operated in the heart of Music City. 
Specializing in drums and percussion, Forks offers great discounts on all major brands and will beat any retailer's advertised price. From new and used equipment, vintage drums, and marching and orchestral instruments, Forks has something for every drummer. They also offer professional rental, repair, and restoration services, as well as drum lessons. Stop by their storefront at 308 Chestnut Street in Nashville, Tennessee, or call 615-383-8343, or go online at ForksDrumCloset.com. Yeah, I just watched uh, a lesson on brushes. You're like beginner brushes. Like, man, this everybody needs to see this. Yeah, man. Myself, Ulysses has one too. So it's, it's you know it's there for everyone. And like I said, you don't have to feel like sometimes when guys take lessons or young ladies take lessons, they feel pressure sitting there when you're sitting there with them. I say, hey, man, you don't have to feel no pressure. You don't have anything to prove to me. Just relax mm. and, and let's get you to sound better. And so this way, you can be in your house and there's no pressure. You can start and stop when you want. You know. All right, last question. I ask every guest this. What was your first snare drum? A Pearl Export snare drum? Real snare drum, yeah. Pearl Export snare drum. A black, I had a black Pearl Export set that Smitty came over and tuned. It made sound so good. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that was my first snare drum. But really, the first, very first one was a Muppet drum set when I was super young. Uh. And that didn't... Um, those heads that that you didn't tune, and I didn't realize that, so I was so young, and I took the drumstick and went straight through the head. My dad said, "Oh God!" <laughs> I had the same kit, little little like plastic splash symbol. Yeah. <laughs> and once you went through the head, it was over. So I was like, "Oh shit, what did I just do?" My dad was like, "Oh God, what are you doing?" Oh. What came after that? Like a, another toy kit, or did you go straight to real drums? No, then my dad had that uh, Ludwig Crystalites. Oh, man, sick. Put, uh, and they all look different color. He had like my dad crazy. He had a set instead of getting a Vista light, said that all the drums look one color, like all the drums were different colors. <laughs> that's when I knew I was in. That's when I knew I was in a, a family that was from the Caribbean. Because I was like, man, why the bass drum is blue, the tom is orange, but the other tom is red. Then the floor tom is another clear white. And then the snare drum, what the hell is going? On? And I was like, okay, my dad loved that drum set, man. And it sounded great too. It does sound very uh, Carly Barrett vibe. Exactly. Oh, you know, you, you, you hit the nail right on the head. That's exactly what it was, too. Exactly. Man, well, I appreciate you coming on. So we want everyone to go. You can buy. You have this on vinyl? The Bang is on vinyl? The Bang is on vinyl. The Bang is on platforms, Amazon, iTunes. Every platform you could think it's on the D train, on the A train, F train <laughs> platform. I mean, just go pick it up and, you know. Enjoy it. Like I said, it's music for everybody to dance to. And that, that's the primary goal. We just want you to dance and feel good, you know? Sick. Where is the best spot to get the vinyl? From your site? Um, yeah, or Amazon. Um, okay. It's on the link tree also, yeah. So if you go to any one of those sites, a lot of my friends have been going to iTunes and getting it there. But it's on Amazon also. So, yeah, I would go to Amazon. Check it out. Right on. Now it's time for the fourth and final part of my Odd Time Fluency lesson series. This time I'm talking about how to make ghost note grooves based on our 4 plus 4 plus 6, 6 plus 4 plus 4, or 4 plus 6 plus 4 groupings in 7-8 time. Welcome into the fourth and final article in this Odd Time Fluency series. We are working in 7-8 and we are using a 16th note subdivision. So if you've been following along in the previous three parts, we are grouping these 16th notes, which there are 14 of them, in groupings of 4 and 6. Most commonly, where we're going to start is 4 plus 4 plus 6. Now, how do you make a groove with this? 
So the first way we're going to do this is using alternating single strokes, and we're going to have the right hand on the hi-hat, left hand on the snare. We're going to put a bass drum doubling the first note of the first four note grouping. We're going to come over with the right hand on the snare for the first right of the second four note grouping. And then we're going to go back to playing the bass drum on the first note of the three note grouping, and then hit a left hand accent on the snare for the start of the second three note grouping. It sounds way more complicated than it is. Just think of it, you're playing a basic beat where you're going to try to hit back beats, but we're in seven eight. So boom, Here's what that sounds like. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. 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 One. This time we're going to change up the sticking. So instead of doing alternating singles, we're going to do regular paradiddles for the fours. So right, left, right, right, left, right, left, left, putting an accent on the snare on that second group of four. And then when you get to the sixes, we're going to do right, left, left, right, left, left, and bring the right over to hit a backbeat on the snare on the second three. So right, left, left, snare, left, left. This time, pretty much the same thing, except we're going to use inverted paradiddles instead of regular paradiddles. So right, left, left, right, left, right, right, left, and then do the same right, left, left, right, left, left for the six. As I've said before, you can use pretty much any four note sticking or six note sticking or three note sticking that you want for these groupings. We're going to just stick with those three options. Um, because now I want to move that six to the beginning. So we're doing six plus four plus four. We're going to start with alternating strokes. We use the same same rules. So the first three is on the hi hat with the bass drum added. Second three accent the snare, and then the first four bass drum and hi hat, and then second four bring the right over to play the snare. Same concept with paradiddles. Six plus four plus four. Five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, 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 five, six, seven, one. And here it is with inverted paradiddles on the fours. Five, six, seven, one, two, three, four, 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 five, six, seven, one. Things don't work out quite as smoothly when you do the four plus six plus four. Um, combination, but alternating strokes, it works okay. So you do the same as before. First four note accent with the bass drum and the hi-hat. Come over to play the snare on the three, and then we're going to just add another accent on the second three, and then back to the bass drum and hi-hat on the four. So all the fours will be starting with the bass drum on beat one, and then the sixes will be two groups of three with snare, snare. When you use the paradiddle sticking for the fours, things have to change when you get to that six. So for the first four, you're going to play a right paradiddle with the bass drum doubling on the first note. When you get to that six, you're going to play left, right, right, left, right, right, followed by a left paradiddle to cycle it back around. And we'll do the same thing with the inverted paradiddle. So right, left, left, right for the first four, 
left, right, right, left, right, right for the six, and then left, right, right, left for the second four. Five, six, seven, one, two, four, 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 five, six, seven, one. So that's just a sampling of different ways you can play grooves using these four, four, six, six, four, 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 six, four uh, groupings and seven, eight. And we've only done a couple stickings. You can mess with all the stickings you can think of for the fours and the sixes. The point is to make sure that it has some sort of backbeat, some sort of pocket. It shouldn't just be randomness. Um, that's why some of those paradiddles get a little bit tricky. Um, you might have to modify some stickings, whatever. Just come up with your own ideas. And then once you get comfortable with that, start adding in fills using the bass drum substitution ideas we did in the previous article. The flam substitutions, you can move those around. We didn't even touch that whole concept. So. There's a lot to be explored. Have fun with it. Let us know what you think, and we'll see you in the next lesson. It's time to answer a couple of listener questions. This one came in a while ago from Ignacio. I have a Gretsch Catalina Club. This is a Bop Kit, 18, 12, 14. Um, the hardware is pretty weak. I'm wondering about swapping out some parts. Um, so what should I do? Um, or should I just buy a new kit? So that those kits are pretty cheap, but you know what? They sound nice. Um, so... I would just fix things that are showing signs of breakage. Um, bass drum spurs seem to be the first thing to go on those. I've seen tom mounts become an issue with those. Um, look over your lug casings. Some of those have been, been cracking at the connecting point where the screw goes in. So just look for, I would just fix things that you see are showing signs of wear. I wouldn't go crazy about upgrading all the hoops and all that stuff. Just look for things that might be not working properly or just starting to wear out spurs, mounts, um, floor tom leg brackets, um, what else? Some of the lug casings, maybe the um, internal um, tension rod receivers, those can strip out depending if you tune really high or not. So just look at, give it a once over and only replace the things that look like they're about to break or are showing signs of wear. The rest of it, I would leave alone. If you're gonna start spending a ton of money, then yeah, I would just start searching for maybe a slightly better kit. But those kits sound good, so just get it working and have fun with it. I get this question often. This is from Chris. I'm looking to order some new hoops for a used Ludwig Blackrelite snare drum. Any suggestions? Blackrelite is the version of the classic seamless aluminum Acrylite shell with a painted black sparkle finish. I think they came out in the 90s, early 90s. Um, so upgrading the hoops on those. That's a dry shell. It's not going to have a whole. It's not going to have a huge loud tone. Um, so I think if you put anything too heavy on that, like a diecast or a 3.0, you're just going to deaden it even further and, and kind of kill whatever nuance might be in there. So I would go lighter, either um, 1.6 triple flange, which is the thinnest version of a triple flange, will give you the most flex and the, make the tone kind of as open as possible. Maybe go down to a single flange with clips if you want to make it kind of more of a vintage look. And again, it'll allow it to resonate to its fullest. Um, or you can go with some solid brass single flange, or I wouldn't get the heavy solid brass 2.3s. Again, I think that'll just be too much weight on that shell. So in, in my opinion, for that type of shell, you want to lighten it up. So go with either 1.6 triple flange or some single flange or double flange hoops. Give that a shot. If you have any questions you want me to answer on the show, shoot them over to drumcandypodcast at gmail.com and I will get to them as soon as possible. For our warehouse pick of the week, this is something I've talked about before, but we still have a handful of these in stock. This is the 5x14 seamless aluminum 
DFD snare drum. This is an amazing drum, and I'm going to be completely candid, not just because I work at Drum Factory Direct. This drum has replaced my, um, my superphonics for most situations. I go to this first. Why do I go to it first? It has more, more sound, more open sound. Um, the solid brass tube lugs, I think, really help with that. It's got big, sturdy 2.3 um, steel hoops. It's got good quality German-style um, 20-strand snares with the bronze end clips. Um, it's got a nice sturdy throw-off, so unlike some of the old vintage ones that can kind of loosen as you play or even pop off, this thing's going to hold its tension uh, no matter what. So, And the best part is this sucker is only $349.95. So it's a steal. It's an amazing drum. Everyone that I know that's used it is has been knocked out by it, so go check it out. It's the 5x14 Seamless Aluminum TFD Snare Drum. We have like a dozen of them, I think, in stock. So get one now, because once they're gone, they're gone. That is it for this week's episode. Thank you for listening. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure you like, share, subscribe. Give us a review. Give us a five-star rating. Um, and we'll be back next week with a new interview. So have a good one and see you then.